0: How aware are you of the importance of emotional intelligence at work? What about the concept of embodied emotional intelligence? Today's guest, Jay Fields, helps clients through her training programs in managing emotions at work and regulating the nervous system and reducing stress. And of course, that's quite topical right now. And during COVID, I've been listening to lots of audiobooks and one stuck in my mind which helped me to learn all about the importance of the body on the mind. And often we think of the impact of the mind and the body. But the importance of the vagus nerve, the, the dietary uh, toxicity and effects on the brain of what our body doesn't like. And a lot of what we see in people is often triggered, surprisingly, by the impact Of the nervous system on the brain. So, Jay highlights the importance of what she calls psychosomatic training. And she suggests that you can think of it like mindfulness 2.0. When you understand how your nervous system influences your ability to be resilient and adaptable, Jay says we can have and experience a healthier and more compassionate work environment. In today's episode, what exactly is embodied emotional intelligence, how Jay works with her training clients, her coaching clients, how your nervous system has an effect on you in surprising ways, why managing emotions at work is really crucial for our clients, and what the science tells us about stress. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, And welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. My name is Mark, and it's my privilege to welcome you to another episode of the Training Business Podcast. If it's your first time here, welcome. It's wonderful to know that you're tuning in for the first time. If it's not your first time here, if you're a regular listener, one of the thousands of people who listen to the show each week, thank you for your continued support. And thanks to many of you for writing to me. That's mark at trainingbusiness.com to let me know about the kinds of episodes that have helped you as well as the kinds of content that you would like to help you. And you can make suggestions about authors or experts, or just topics that you'd like to have featured on the show. And every episode of the show is designed to help you as a facilitator, as a trainer, as a coach. If you're working in corporate or working outside, working with your own direct clients or indirect clients, then I'd like to think that this is the show for you. Every Thursday, we have episodes where it's just you and I, or we have a guest on the show, which is the case Again, this week, can I ask you at this stage to subscribe to the show because this costs you absolutely nothing, means the world to me and my team, and of course, updates you or reminds you of upcoming episodes of future guests. We've got some fantastic guests lined up for this season. In today's episode, which I mentioned before the music, we have a guest who is speaking to us today from California. Her name is Jay Fields, and she works in the area of helping organizations with psychosomatic training, managing emotions at work, and regulating the nervous system and reducing stress. And I think that all that we've been through in the past 20 months as people who work in corporate or work for corporate... Um, is has really changed the way we see the world you'll see a lot more content on linkedin and other platforms where people are more than ever conscious of the need for empathy and human connection and a lot of what influences how we connect with people how we work with people and show compassion towards people surprisingly i was surprised by this is actually governed and regulated by our nervous system so that's what jay will talk about today in this week's episode Jay, hi! Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Mark. I'm happy to be here.
0: You describe yourself as an expert in embodied emotional intelligence. Now, I'm familiar, as many people are listening to this, uh, with the concept of of emotional intelligence. You know, from the work of Goleman, and and perhaps from reading the book Emotional Intelligence 2.0 by Travis Bradbury. But what about embodied emotional intelligence? W- what does that mean?
1: Well, it just highlighting this. Aspect of emotions that is, emotions have a physical component to them. You know, think of last time you were angry versus the last time you were sad, and that they have a, a different physical sensation that, and experience that go with them. And so, bringing together emotional intelligence and somatic intelligence is a way of uh, more skillfully working with our emotional intelligence.
0: Okay, so I have to ask what, you mentioned the word somatic. Now, for people listening, they might go, what, did I hear of somatic? What is somatic?
1: <laughs> so, it comes from the, the Greek word soma, uh, which is body. So, it's of the body. So, we're talking about um, embodied or from the neck down intelligence.
0: Okay, so, um, things like, I suppose, the emotional impact from almost the, the, the body up to the neck rather than what most people think of is traffic one way down from the, from the mind to the body. Um, so what's going on right now in the world that means there's a market for this, that, that organizations feel there's a need for this intervention. <laughs> my, my, <laughs>
1: first, my first response is what isn't, okay. um, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I think that many, many people are, at surge capacity. You know what I mean? Like, there's this sense of we have been running on high levels of stress and high la- levels of anxiety for quite some time. And the last year and a half has just ramped that up. Um, you know, there's so many organizations are under. Uh, they have new operating procedures. There's, they were working from home, and now they're trying to figure out how to come back. People have changed roles. People have lost jobs. You know, people are losing loved ones. There's just so much extra volume happening right now uh, that I think people are 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 in a bit of survival mode, and that never helps when it comes to feeling more resilient and having a handle on emotions
0: so when organizations come to you and say okay we we need some uh psychosomatic training if that's what they actually ask for um how does that play out what what are the kind of markers that tell people there's a need for this intervention training isn't going to fix it mentoring isn't going to fix it therapy won't fix it but there's something telling that suggests something involving um slash embodied emotional intelligence is the answer.
1: Well, no one has ever come to me saying we That's need psychosmatch training.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel maybe so bad then. <laughs> day,
1: maybe one day when this is a little bit more uh, mainstream, um, organizations reach out because they they see that their, their clients are stressed, that they're burning out, uh, that they are kind of on on that thin edge of just being able to produce what they normally produce, but they're they're looking quite tired and worn out, and um, or maybe uh, their edges are frayed a little bit, you know, and teams aren't working as smoothly together anymore. Uh, so they're reaching out because they're seeing a lack of resilience, and they're seeing people uh, dropping out or lacking engagement because they simply can't find it within themselves that, you know, they're, they're burned out.
0: Right. So we're familiar with the idea of stress and what we could do perhaps to reduce organizational stress. Um, I'm, I want to dig into the science a bit. So let's talk about how stress manifests itself, uh, particularly in interpersonal relationships at work. Um, y- your angle, I guess, is that the nervous system's response affects work relationships directly. Correct.
1: Yes. And so, you know, just basic science here, we have the autonomic nervous system, which is the part of our nervous system that is constantly and forever reading our external and our internal environment to see if we feel safe or we feel threatened or we feel in danger. And depending on the message that we get, whether it's an accurate message or just the one that we've perceived, we're gonna have a different response in our nervous system. And so the the three different responses are, if we feel that we are in danger, we're going to have a, what's called a sympathetic response, which essentially means we get um, motivated to fight or flee. There's, there's a sense of mobilization, um, if we feel like we are in threat, there's an immobilization response, more of a, a shutdown or a freeze. If we get the message that we feel safe, that we're in a you know an okay place and these people are friendly and we're not in danger or threat, our nervous system has a social engagement system. And that's where we are able to stay engaged and stay curious and stay communicative and collaborative. Um, you know, that's, that's humans at their best as opposed to humans in some sort of uh, response to, I, I have to make myself safe. You know, I have to either get away or, or shut down or fight back. And as you can imagine, any undertone of fight, um, flee or freeze is not a great place to
0: work from. So if I'm thinking as a leader of of people, I'm seeing perhaps people not cooperating, I'm seeing them not getting along, not being creative. Are there any other markers that, that suggest that there is um, not something technical at play here, but there's something to do with people's nervous system? Training won't fix it so that there's no point giving people more information. I need to work on how they, uh, perhaps unconsciously, subconsciously, uh, interact, and that's something I definitely can't do. I'm putting my hand up here. That's way beyond me. But for people who are listening and saying, "Okay, this isn't a training solution," it's something deeper than this subliminal, subconscious. Um, how does that work?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one good marker is if you've done trainings and the the information is not being applied. Right, because it's one thing to understand something cognitively. It's another thing to change behavior. And typically changing behavior is where the nervous system can trip you up. So if you have implemented trainings that are not, then you're not seeing them being used widely, that is a marker. As well as um, as you mentioned, you know, people being more short-tempered with one another or lacking creativity, having a, a sense of a removed kind of apathy or energy like that. And um, the other piece that comes up is simply just watching people in their bodies. If people are always moving fast, talking fast, breathing fast, or lacking an ability to make eye contact, you know, the other end of the spectrum, uh, turning away more, slumped in their bodies, having that that look as if someone's unplugged them you know they've they have no juice just simply observing bodies again which is not something that we are typically trained to do unless you're someone like me who's been in, in an embodiment field for for years you know
0: yeah i guess the only thing that people might relate to um would be the famous amy cuddy video where she talks about you know does the mind influence the body? Does the body influence the mind? The idea of of the Wonder Woman pose, which was controversial at the time, and and the idea of, you know, first of all giving the the, the body instructions which would have an effect on the mind. Um, but this goes deeper than that. It it sounds like we if we're not aware of this, this can really play havoc with our careers. It can really upset the career projection of senior people. And I guess a lot of the work you do is with entrepreneurs, corporate leaders, where these kinds of things, if these happen, if they manifest, have catastrophic effects on, let's call them strategic relationships,
1: yeah, and relationships in general, right? Like across the board, um but certainly strategic relationships. yes. And so it's that it's that sense of you know most people have been taught that if you're if you're smart and you're skilled and you're capable, you're going to succeed. But I think we're we're missing not just the emotional intelligence but that embodied intelligence and If you don't have access to that, kind of like what Amy Cuddy was saying, it will uh it can wreak havoc
0: so you're known I guess for your courses on managing your emotions at work and regulating your nervous system and reducing stress very promising titles and and I think i I often need those things myself because Given what many of us, as consultants, as as trainers, as facilitators, have been through in the last twenty months, it's been hyper stressful. Um, if if we want to work on ourselves, um, how do we go about doing that? Apart from taking your course, of course. How do we manage our emotions, working with clients, and reducing our own stress?
1: Well, it is a it's practice based, so it isn't just something that you under you know you get learning and then you understand it and all of a sudden you're off to the races. It's about connecting on a conscious level to your embodied experience moment by moment. And not at all times, being able to know, for example, right now, are you sitting, are you standing? You know, where are you feeling pressure on your body if you're sitting? Can you feel the connection of your feet to the ground? When you do that, can you feel where your arms are in space? right? Are your hands cold? Are your feet cold? Do you have a headache? Is your breath moving fast? Is it moving shallow? Just very basic level of understanding what's happening in your experience um, is the very first place to start. Because if you don't have any connection to your experience in your body, then you don't have the information to then work with, with the practices. Um, so the practices are, are things like shaking, right? When I get, when I get nervous, like many people, my energy increases. You know, I get that kind of buzzy, shaky, vibey feeling. And for me to shake my arms, shake my legs, you know, take a, helps to to dismiss some of that energy. So I have to be aware that it's there in the first place. Because if I'm not aware that that buzzy, vibey energy is there, it doesn't mean it isn't there. It just means I'm not aware of it. And it would start to influence, you know, I might get shaky or my voice might, uh, I might speed up in how I'm talking. Or I might come across as looking a little bit hyper, you know, to the person I'm with. So... How do people work with this? The very the very basics of it are start having check-ins with yourself once an hour, you know, see what do I feel in my body right now? These are how you'll start to know things like, oh, maybe it's been too long since I've taken a bathroom break. <laughs> maybe I need some water. Maybe I actually could use, I could benefit from getting up and walking around, right? We. Once we get into work mode, it's not uncommon to just become a head.
0: <laughs> so, if we think of translating this into a, a product, which you've done successfully, how do your experiential training programs and one on one implementation coaching solve these challenges practically for corporate clients?
1: I think the beginning is, the, or the first part of it is just giving the idea that first off, your body can be an ally. Uh, And it can also be an enemy. Um, And secondly, to change the mentality about how we behave when we're under stress, we tend to uh, have a lot of judgments about our own behaviors and the behaviors of others when they're under stress. And if we can take out the stigma and we can put it into context of this is exactly what your nervous system is telling you to do. Right. This is this is adaptive in some situations, maladaptive in the situation you might be in. So let's let's take away the stigma and get down to the the nitty gritty and to the practices. So in the trainings, we start with uh, the science and we start with the the why, and then we go into the how. And it really is about in, integrating these these practices and coming back week after week to do them together so it's not a it's not a one-off training uh it's a here's here's the science here's why we're doing it and then here's the stuff you just kind of have to keep doing Um, one of the things i'll often say to folks is you know if you brushed your teeth this morning you probably didn't say to yourself afterwards okay well i'm good on that for six months right (laughs) like good there no, you have to keep doing this stuff in order to have the ongoing benefit and and care that they are that these practices are designed
0: for i'm thinking of what i've seen a lot on LinkedIn recently, which is this it's perhaps changed since covid a lot more you could say human sharing people talking about their experiences, their stress levels what's happening with their family with the kids, et cetera so I think in some ways people are there's more of a people are more receptive to the idea when you're talking to clients how do you how do you get across the business case for these kinds of interventions for you know psychosomatic training uh, managing emotions reducing stress embodied emotional intelligence i'm sure there are people who scratch their head a little and go you know what what is that do i need this how do you articulate the business case for this kind of training
1: to an organization yeah well what you just said is we're talking more about being human at work, and there is no other way to be. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> right, and true. I
1: think- uh, I think more and more organizations are, are really understanding that, that they that they haven't hired robots and they haven't hired someone who just, when they walk in the door or turn on their computer, becomes the role that they've hired them for. They're really understanding, especially in the last 20 months, as you said, as people are working from home and their kids are running in the room. And like you can't deny that these people are parents or children or brothers or sisters, right? Um, so... I find that I don't have to do much selling on, on the fact that their employees are humans. Um, I think what I'm, what I'm experiencing is that people are coming, or organizations are coming to me saying, we see this, but we don't know what to do about it. And, um, and, and what I'll say to them, too, is kind of what I said a little bit ago. Yeah, and if, if this was about being smart, your employees could do this. Right, and even if it was about being willing, your employees could do this. But this, for most people, this kind of um, embodied approach, nervous system pro- approach, no one's been taught this, you know. Um, so I think the the organizations that I've worked with have been really excited and on board about, hey, this is this is cool. This makes sense, you know. That's that's the thing about. Coming at the the human uh, dimension through through the brain and the nervous system is when I start talking about it to organizations or the people hire me they they say gosh that makes sense like I actually know exactly what you're talking about in my body <laughs> you
0: know and then after that do they look for a particular ROI or how do you evaluate an intervention like that because I guess it's kind of difficult it's not like you can you can take out a spreadsheet and see you know Quantitative improvement. What what do you suggest people might see if if they if their employees go through this training um, and apply it? What can they expect to see in terms of benefits?
1: Some of the the ongoing feedback we've done in in follow up surveys with people who've gone through this in organizations is they're reporting lower levels of stress. Um, they're reporting higher levels of engagement. Uh, and they're reporting lower levels of burnout. So that's the sort of ROI people, you know, we, we haven't gotten an actual number of of what kind of money, what kind of dollars is this saving. Uh, but but we're seeing it in terms of how people are reporting their, their access to ease versus stress in their positions.
0: Yeah, I was speaking with uh, a mental health trainer and crisis counselor called Maureen Hotchner back in episode 38 in 2019, a long time ago. And she talked about um, the fact that companies bring in people like her, mental health uh, practitioners, after the fact, when things have happened, You know, when crises have occurred, when people's stress levels go through the roof. How do we articulate the, the, the case or the business case for these kinds of interventions proactively? So we're not looking for it when we need it, but looking for it actually before we need it. It's a great question. Uh...
1: I actually, I, I don't know because I feel like the reason I say I don't know is I feel like those of us who are in these roles are communicating that all the time. And it's whether or not an organization can, can see that. And my experience over the years has been that there are certain organizations that understand that and will be proactive. Um, and then there are those that will always be on the, <laughs> on the cleanup side. You know, because the message—I think the message is out there. I—I I could be wrong, but my sense is that, you know, we've known about, for example, mindfulness and and how, how much that can enhance, you know, or decrease stress and enhance resilience. And and there's plenty of organizations that haven't implemented that.
0: Yeah, and and then there's the basic stuff that that we can do. And again, this is what many corporations are, I think, increasingly leaning into, which is. Um, helping people, particularly in light of working from home, to take breaks, to eat well. Uh, w- we can't tell people what to eat, but there there is science, which I find intriguing, about how certain foods cause inflammation, which seems to be linked to a lot of um, the ailments that we see, uh, we find in employees, you know, people eating diets um which have, can, I won't go into the, the science here because I'm not sure what I'm talking about necessarily, but you know, avoiding particular things because this inflammation has an effect on what's called the vagus nerve. So often, what we eat has a direct pipeline to the brain, and that affects how we cope with stress, whether we sleep, and uh, has other effects on other parts of the body. So I, this is a lot, a lot of the reason why I have been in the last 18 months mindful of how much I exercise um, working from home, taking frequent breaks, you know, using an SAD light in in wintertime when it gets depressingly dark, lots of vitamin D. Uh, So there's a lot of stuff that we can do, um, without necessarily, um, interventions, but a lot of what you've said to me makes sense because I find that a lot of people don't necessarily know what's wrong. They know something's wrong. Um, they can read books. It's not going to fix things. It's almost like it's below the waterline. It's, it's in the subconscious so what you're trying to make people I guess aware of is is the signal that something needs to change and if we don't do this with our employees um we we find things like employee churn, stress levels and and even worse things.
1: Yes. And and again, there is so much information about out there about the benefits of exercise or eating right or how much sleep you get and all of that is really positive and useful except it really depends on what the person's nervous system and stress level is so let me give you an example if i'm if i'm at that place where i've just been running 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 and i am run so ragged that i'm now in that immobilized response where i feel apathetic I feel disengaged, disconnected. And look, usually this doesn't actually show up at work. It shows up as soon as we get home from work or as soon as we shut the computer down from the evening, you know? So if I'm in that place where I'm low energy, disconnected, to, to go exercise is a big leap for me, <laughs> you know? Um, to, to go cook a healthy dinner just seems like you might as well tell me to lift my car up, you know, and pick it up and move it, you know? So we have to understand looking again at the level at the level of the nervous system what is someone capable of to bring them back to regulation so if i'm in that disconnected apathetic immobilized place for me self care might look like taking a warm shower and watching something on tv that is pleasant as opposed to watching something that is you know dark or it's it's the news or it's stressful because the reality is when I'm in that low energy place, I'm not going to go for a run. I'm going to sit on the couch and I'm going to watch TV. right? So, But I can choose to watch something that will help me feel better. Um, so I think one of the issues with these initiatives and in workplaces around changing how you eat or, you know, like – elevating people's awareness of how they eat or how they exercise, is it doesn't take into account that for many people, they're they're beyond that feeling like they can even access that. That requires a little bit more regulation in order to implement those kind of behaviors. Does that make sense?
0: It does, yes, it does. Um, easy to sound all-knowing and to suggest that people take particular actions, but I find that If if I'm in a dark place, that's often the last thing I want to do. Um, I know I should go for a run. I know I should go to bed early. I know I should turn off Netflix, but uh, it's difficult. And I think that's true for people listening who are, you know, if you're a facilitator, if you're a coach trainer, running your own business, working with your own clients, um, or even in the corporate world, working with internal clients. um, These are things which no doubt make sense to you. Um, We've all been through stress, some of us more than others in the last 20 months, um, if people want to find out more about, you know, psychosomatic training or experiential training involving things like resilience and reduction of stress at work, where would you point them?
1: Mm, great question. Um, there are a couple of people out there doing really great work. Uh, Wendy Palmer is is someone who does embodied leadership training. Uh, the Strozzi Institute, as S-T-R-O-Z-Z-I. Um, someone who I've done a lot of work with, who's a a dear friend, uh, and a great leader in this world is Amanda Blake. And, and she has a book out there called your body is your brain. And it really talks about this connection in in a, in a work setting. Um, and then in terms of nervous system work, there's Irene Lyon, L Y O N. She does great work in terms of teaching people about, uh, the effects of trauma and how to work at the level of your nervous system. Um, and Deb Dana is a wonderful resource in terms of understanding this vagus nerve that you, that you mentioned earlier and how it links to these three different states of our nervous system and how to access, um, access ourselves in each one of those states to move towards more regulation and,
0: and less stress. And you're being very modest, of course. Then there's (laughs) j-fields.com.
1: There is that too, yes. So on my website, j-fields.com, you have access to the LinkedIn learning courses. You can get to them from there. And my own um, coaching program, I have one-on-one coaching and a group coaching program called Yours Truly, which is really about how to implement this information in a relationship setting a relational setting whether it's your work work relationships or your personal relationships because as you said earlier you know if if you don't have a a handle on the the stress level and what your nervous system is telling you it, it wreaks havoc in those places so those are uh kind of a different um application than what you would get in the linkedin learning courses
0: great jay thank you so much for being my guest today on the show
1: thank you so much mark
0: sincere thanks to Jay for being my guest today on the show and you can find out more about Jay by going to a website which is simply j-feels.com that's www.jay-f-i-e-l-d-s j-feels.com Jay towards the end of our chat today mentioned a couple of other consultants and experts in the field and I will of course be including the links to those sites on the episode page on trainingbusiness.com. If you've not checked out trainingbusiness.com, you'll find some content on there. If you have an article you'd like to submit to share your expertise with the world, please get in touch. And of course you've any if you've got suggestions for content, episodes, guests, please keep those coming. Mark at trainingbusiness.com is my email address. I reply individually and personally. Please please subscribe to the podcast. I say this every week because this helps to Boost the show and, of course, helps to share the show and helps to bring the show to people just like you and me who can do with help. And we can all do with help. So, if you know someone out there who is a coach, a facilitator, a trainer, or someone who's even thinking of making that uh, change and joining us in this wonderful business, which we've the privilege to be in, then please subscribe to the show, let them know about the show. And encourage them to listen to the show. If you've got suggestions for episodes, please keep those coming. I receive loads of email and I really am delighted to read them individually and reply personally. If you've got ideas for guests, content, um, anything at all, please let me know. Mark at trainingbusiness.com. There is, of course, without fail, an episode next week on your podcast platform of choice. Until then, please keep training, keep selling, keep coaching, keep going. And I look forward to your company next time. Take care. Bye for now. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.